0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 115 of the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is Fitness, Faith, and Mindset, an interview with Elena Hamade. My name is Richard Johansson.
1: And I'm Matt Sabatello.
0: Now, we named this episode after Elena Hamade's business. This is a young woman who became sick with Lyme disease as a child, but she turned that bad experience into something positive, and she became an entrepreneur, and she started a business that is designed to help other people who are suffering from illnesses.
1: But Rich, there is a sad part to this story, and that is that Elena found a rash on her leg. Her mom thought it might be Lyme disease, but they never sought the help of a Lyme professional to get a proper diagnosis and early intervention
0: that would have prevented chronic Lyme and all of
1: her neurological Lyme symptoms that developed later on in life.
0: But Matt, this young woman would not allow a terrible childhood experience to keep her down. What she did is she went through a transformation She's become a healer, and she's turned to entrepreneurship to help other people through their challenges, and she created this business of fitness, faith, and mindset. So Matt, I'm really excited to introduce this young woman to the Tick Boot Camp community, Elena Hamane. Hey, Elena. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're really excited to have you. So Elena, tell us where you're calling in from.
2: I am calling in from Pennsylvania.
0: And are you a native of the state of Pennsylvania?
2: I am not. I was actually born and raised in Georgia.
0: So you're a Southern gal.
2: I am. I'm a Southern girl.
0: <laughs> so what was your life like as a gal growing up in Georgia?
2: Growing up in Georgia, I had a pretty normal life. Lived with my parents, did all the things you do when you're young. Um, I didn't get sick until high school. So before then, it was pretty relatively boring.
0: <laughs> so uh, let's just talk about your high school experience. Were you uh, aware of ticks and Lyme disease during the course of your childhood?
2: I had No idea what that even meant. We had a family friend that had Lyme disease really bad, but I never knew that's what it was. Um, And so as I started to get sick, I started to learn more about her journey. She completely, you know, got better and she had been sick for years. And so she ended up giving me a lot of hope. But before that, no, I had no clue what that even meant.
0: Do you even recall having been bitten by a tick during the course of your
2: childhood? No, I remember um, we had a pet that had some ticks on it one time, like years and years and years ago, but I thought that that's only animals got them. I didn't know that they could get on people or that they could make you, you know, basically really, really ill.
0: So my understanding is that you, um, you actually are from two states, right? You spent some time in Georgia and some time in Pennsylvania.
2: Yes. So my parents got divorced when I was a freshman in high school. My mom moved back to Pennsylvania to be closer to her family. And so I spent all of high school. I decided to stay Um, and I would travel back and forth pretty frequently. And so a little bit of both.
0: So we know that Pennsylvania has a very high um, rate of Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. When you were spending any time in Pennsylvania, did any of your relatives or family talk to you about ticks or Lyme disease? Never. Nope. So let's, let's, again, let's walk back a little bit to your childhood in Georgia. What kinds of things were you doing and what kinds of things were you pursuing as a young person? Meaning, what were you dreaming
2: about? Just when I was in high school, like before. Yeah, yeah. what were you planning um, to do? I was a junior in high school, so it was a lot of talk about the future, about college, going on college tours. And that's what I was doing around the summer when I got bit and when I started to feel sick. Um, just really planning for the future. I had a boyfriend. I was just, you know, you're hanging out with friends, your typical... Your typical teenage girl
0: so what were you planning to do when you went to college
2: um I was planning to go to a, a big southern school you know something in the SEC with football and all the exciting stuff that was my plan um I wanted to study psychology because I've always had anxiety a little bit since I was young it just kind of runs in my family and it was something I really loved learning about so I was like I'm going to be a psychologist I'm going to go to this big school that was my plan
0: all right. So you were, you were planning to become a psychologist. Uh, you were going to solve the challenges that you and family members have had for, in some cases, generations.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you were going to have this big school experience. And how did that work out for you?
2: It didn't go as planned. <laughs> um, right around the time I was doing college tours was when I actually got sick. So it really changed everything of my plan.
0: So let's talk about your illness and how your illness progressed. Uh, how did you first start to know that you were sick?
2: So I was up in Pennsylvania and I remember having this rash on my leg. All of a sudden, I had no idea what it was and I didn't really think anything of it. And it kind of grew a little bit. And I was like, this is so weird. So I showed my mom and she was like, she made a joke about it. She was like, you know, that could look like a tick bite. And I was like, what? And so I researched it. I was like, I don't think that that's what it is. She's like, well, we should check. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And so we just kind of like let it go. It was just kind of a quick thing. And we just never talked about it. Okay.
0: Well, but wait, stay there, say there, Cause you really hit on something that I think is really important. So you said, after you saw this rash on your leg, you mm-hmm. called it to your mother's attention and then you did some research. Yes. What research did you do and what research and what did that research lead you to do?
2: I had no idea what Lyme disease was. So I just looked up cause she said, Oh, it could look like this. And so I just looked that up and I'm looking at all these pictures. And I'm like, I don't think that looks quite right. Like, eh, it's probably okay. And then I clicked the information and I saw that, you know, Lyme disease I had no idea what it was but it was like oh all it is is you just take some antibiotics and you'll be fine so it's like okay this is not a serious thing even if it was that which I don't think it is it's not a big deal and whatever if it stays I'll go to the doctor and it went away
0: so you uh you did consider Lyme disease very early on
2: for like two seconds yeah before knowing what it was I did
0: and then, and then um, you did some research, and your anxiety was quelled because the information that you received suggested it wasn't a big deal, mm-hmm. and all you would have to do is take some antibiotics for a short time, and you'd get better. Correct? Yep. Okay. So tell us how it progressed from there.
2: So then, after that, within a few days, actually, I started getting like these dizzy spells, which was super weird. Um, And I remember the first time it happened, I told my mom, I was like, I'm really dizzy. I was just sitting down and all of a sudden it was like the whole room was spinning. And I was like, this is crazy. And so she was like, maybe, you know, you need to eat something, whatever. And then that was the only, you know, time that that happened. And then for a few weeks I was, I was fine. I went back home. Um, It was summertime. So me and my friends did a lot of things outside, a lot of group activities. And all of a sudden, like, I just started feeling really sick. Like I had a cold. And I was like, this is so crazy. Like who gets a cold? It's hot outside. No one I know is sick. So I took cold medicine thinking, you know, that's what it is. I have a cold. And now looking back, you know, that can be an early symptom of, of Lyme when your body's fighting it. And it wasn't until I was going on a a retreat, um, with some of my friends, we're going some camp event for teenagers. I don't even remember. And I was packing and it was so crazy because I was trying to, pa- I travel all the time. My parents were divorced, so I travel literally all the time and I was trying to pack for this weekend and it was weird. It was like, I was trying to pack, but my brain wasn't working. Like I would pack the suitcase and I was like, wait, did I pack this? And I was like, "Alina, like, like you, you should know what you're packing. And it was, I got so frustrated with myself. I took everything out of the suitcase three times and then I started crying. Cause I was like, I think I'm dying. Like I can't think straight what's wrong with me. And I still had no idea what was wrong with me or that I was even sick. But it was like my brain just stopped working right. It was crazy.
0: So let's just walk this back for a second. So you have a rash, you do some research, and the research doesn't lead you to believe that you should see a doctor.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because had you seen a doctor early on and had you been diagnosed with Lyme disease, all of these symptoms that started to develop later would not have developed, correct?
2: Correct. Well, maybe because sometimes you can even get treated and still have it, but correct.
0: So you you then went home. When you say you went home, you went back to Georgia. You left You left uh, the Northeast, where we are, and you went back down South for yep. your, uh, for your uh, Southern experience. Yeah. And it was hot and you got sick. Yeah. Now, was there anything in your earlier research that suggested to you that you should be looking to see if you're getting a summer illness, which would then signal to you that you should go see a doctor and get treated for Lyme disease?
2: No, because when I say that I looked at that for two seconds as a possibility, that's exactly what it was. I was standing there, I like Googled the rash. I was like, yeah, no, it's not that. And even if it was, you know, you take some medicine and you're fine.
0: Now, did you go to see a doctor when you got your summer cold? No. All right, so you, you took some cold medication, and now you're starting to get developing symptoms where you're starting to see some neurological symptoms where you're dizzy, and now you're you're having some trouble thinking and doing things that you would – almost robotically be able to do because you were a kid that was living out of a suitcase bouncing back and forth between Georgia and Pennsylvania and you can't even pack your bag yeah is that something that suggests to you that you should now perhaps go see a
2: doctor definitely um looking back it is but also at the time at the time no and my dad and my stepmom were having you know some marital problems during that time so life was a little stressful I'm thinking of college whatever so when I start to say you know I'm, I'm feeling sick like whatever it's like Oh, you're anxious. Oh, you know, you're just, you have a lot going on right now. And, you know, that's kind of what I played it out in my head. And then when I would talk to my parents about it, that's kind of what they settled on too was, Oh, you know, you just have a lot going on. No wonder you can't think straight. Like that's just what we thought.
0: But you've never had that kind of problem before. Right. I mean, I could tell just by looking at you and listening to you that you're the kind of kid that really has her stuff together. Right. So, so if you've always been that kind of kid, Why did you just write it off as, hey, you know, I'm under a lot of stress. I'm concerned about going to college. My parents are separated. My dad's having a second round of marital challenges. Mm -hmm. Why is all of that affecting your ability to think?
2: Um, I think just I've always been, I'm the oldest, so I have four younger siblings, and I've always just been the one that's expected to, you know, have it together and be the leader. And, you know, no one has to worry about Elena because she has it, you know, she's good on her own and she's independent and she grew up super quick and she travels and she does all these things. And I mean, I'm just a kid looking back. It's like, God, why did no one ask? Because I was so young. And I look at my sister who's now around the age that I was when I got sick. And I'm like, if, if she was having these symptoms or these issues, as someone older, I'd be more concerned and you know, wanna look a little bit deeper into it. And so it's, it's hard to look back and be like, why did no one ask? Because I was just a kid, I mean, 16. How are you supposed to know when you don't feel good, you don't know?
0: So talk to us about what impact this was having on you socially. Were you able to socialize with your friends? Were you able to be the girlfriend you wanted to be? I mean, tell us how this was impacting your life socially.
2: Um, My boyfriend went to college, he was older than me, so he had just moved, so that was another reason everyone thought I was just anxious, was it was just life-changing, and um, I was always so so social, and my friends were everything to me, I did everything with them, I was super, not, like, the most popular girl in high school, but, you know, I, I did everything, I planned the dances, I planned the events, and I knew, you know, that's who I was, I was just, that's what people expected of me, and I loved, you know, I loved people going out, doing all the things. And when I started to get sick and get more anxious, I started developing panic attacks. And I've always had anxiety that always always run in my family. I'll always have anxiety, but I had never really had a full on, debilitating panic attack. And that was kind of the thing that started coming next. And I got so scared of having these panic attacks when I was out that it really started holding me back from from going anywhere. So I went on that retreat when I finally got my suitcase done, <laughs> and um. I remember when I came home, I was like, something's just not right. Like, I just don't feel right. I can't think straight. I feel sick. I'm anxious. Like, I just knew something was wrong, um, and it started impacting me socially. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to go anywhere. And then school was starting within two weeks. And at first, I was like, okay, thank God, like school's going to start. It's going to give me some sense of like a routine. And within. I think I made it the first week, and within the second week of school, I couldn't even go for a full day. I was sleeping in, I was coming home early, I was it was awful.
0: So, where did you ultimately start your college education, and what career path did you pursue there?
2: So, this is all I'm still in my senior year. So, senior year started, and all of a sudden, I'm missing all of this school, and my dad and stepmom separated. So, it's just me and my dad, and he love him, but he has like no idea what he's doing when it comes to, you know, single parenting. And so when I don't feel good, he's like, okay, like just take a nap, like whatever. My mom's super far away. So it wasn't until I started missing school at the time that they started to be like, something's wrong. Um,
0: and why were you missing school? What was it about the developing symptoms that made it so that you couldn't even go to class?
2: The anxiety was, it, it was like my brain didn't work. I would have panic attacks. I couldn't think straight. Then the symptoms quickly started to progress. So this is probably three months after getting bit. Um, and it was like, my body would go numb. I would get these migraines every single day, which was just crazy. Um, my body started to go numb. I, when I would walk, I would get dizzy spells again. It would look like the world was like on a tilt, if that makes sense. And I was like, this is, there's no way this is anxiety. And so finally my dad took me to the doctor and my mom's like, have them test her for everything. And they did and everything's normal. I did a CT scan. Everything's normal. So what do they do? They put me on anxiety pills thinking that's what it is.
0: So your neurological symptoms were developing, and they seem to be developing from what we can see in a very classic fashion for someone with Lyme. But you're going to doctors. They're putting you through batteries of tests. Did anybody ever say to you, we should test you for Lyme?
2: Um. So after the, for getting on the anxiety pills and I was told how to take it, whatever, I start, you know, sleeping in my dad's room at night, which is really crazy looking back cause I'm 15, but I felt so scared that I was, you know, going to die, that something was really wrong and the anxiety was so bad. And so I start sleeping in his room and taking, you know, falling asleep with my mom on the phone next to my dad, you know, she states away when you're sick, that's who you want, you know, you want your mom and, right um, taking the anxiety pills and, you know, still missing school a lot and trying to keep up with work. And I couldn't focus. I couldn't, I've always been a straight A student graduate. I ended up graduating high school and college with honors, but, um, I couldn't, I started, you know, failing tests. My parents were like, what the, what is wrong with you? You know, like they're frustrated, not angry at me, but like no one understands. And so finally, you know, I think my mom started to see once everything was coming back normal and I was still so sick and I've never been the kind to ask for help. I'm the oldest I'm supposed to have it together. She starts researching finally. And I think when she finally started looking things up about possibly what could be wrong with me, it was gave me a chance to breathe because I was like, I'm 16. I just need someone to fight for me. And when she finally saw like, Oh my God, our daughter who always has, you know, her life together. Like she's not okay. It, finally gave me, you know, a space to breathe. And she started looking up things like, you know, MS and all these different things. And I went to the doctor and did, you know, CT scans. And they're like, no, she's fine. And then was when she finally said, you know, I think what you should be tested for is Lyme. And that was the moment.
0: So so it was your mother's research that resulted in you coming back to the Lyme diagnosis. I mean, it's interesting yeah. that we're, we're sort of going full circle here because when you first showed the initial symptom in the rash, it's your mother that said, hey, that looks like a Lyme rash. Now we have all these developing symptoms and we now come to another place where your mother is coming back to where she initially thought she should be, which is having you tested for Lyme.
2: Yeah. And she's like, you know, you remember that, that rash you had and da da, da. I'm like, no, it went away. And She's like, I think you need to be tested. And so I went back to the doctor again and I was tested. And of course, it was negative. <laughs> so, so what,
0: what doctor did you go to after you had that conversation with your mom? And what test did that doctor give you?
2: Um, I was going to our regular, you know, family doctor. And that's where I was doing just the normal blood test um, for Lyme and for everything else. And so everything came, came back normal, came back negative. And still on the anxiety pills, you know, doing nothing different. And that's what they told me. You know, the doctor told my dad, he like pulled him aside and he was like, this is all in her head. She's anxious. And, you know, I'm not angry with the doctor because they don't know, especially in Georgia. You know, I can't expect them to know. But, you know, when you are sick and you are being told it's all in your head, there is no worse feeling than no one believing you.
1: Did anybody tell you how inaccurate these tests actually are for Lyme disease at this point?
2: No, and I had no idea, but um, kind of going forward, my mom came down for – I had a dance, and so she would come down for all the big events of high school. She would drive down, and so, you know, the day of um, the dance, I usually this is coming from a girl who's planned the dance. Like, I planned it, you know, you should be excited, and usually this is my thing. And I remember the whole day, I was like, I just can't go. I don't want to go. I don't feel good. I'm anxious. I don't want to go. And my whole family is just like, something has to be wrong with her. You know, either she's having a mental breakdown or like, she's actually sick. Anyway, so my mom's like, you have to go. You have a date. You can't cancel. You have to go. So I go, I was so anxious. I told my mom she had to go eat at the same restaurant that we were all going to because I was like, if something happens to me, I want you to be there. And mostly the the scariest symptom for me was my body going numb. So like half my body would go numb. Like I could move it, but like if I would touch it, it was like, I could barely feel it. It was the weirdest thing. And that's what freaked me out the most. Um, And so when that would happen, it would trigger me into a panic attack. And then also when you're having a panic attack, that's a symptom of a panic attack. So it's like all these things together really scared me. And I'm, I'm a kid. How are you supposed to, you know, that's scary to a kid, any to anyone, especially someone who's so young. So I told her she had to go to the restaurant, whatever. So the next day, um, whatever we do family stuff. And then it was the following day school to go back to school and she was leaving to go to drive back up here at the same time I would leave for school. Cause it was like really early in the morning. I came downstairs, we were staying, um, with my aunt and she was like saying bye to me. And I, I don't cry. I'm not emotional. I don't cry. I, when I tell you I lost my mind, my cousins, my aunt were all in the kitchen. Cause that was a normal thing. Like she would leave, we would go to school, she would drive back home. And so it was a normal thing. I lost it in front of everyone. I don't cry at all, especially in front of people. My family always has made jokes about it for years. Like that. I'm like stone cold because I don't cry. I lost it. I don't know if it was from being sick or just from being so fed up. And I was like, you cannot leave me. I can't like, you can't leave me. And that day she pulled me out of school. I told my dad, we went and told my dad that I was going back to Pennsylvania with her because I was, you know, I had to get better. Something was wrong. We had to figure it out. And that's kind of where it all started when I got closer to, you know, starting treatment.
1: So, Elena, what's surprising to me is the fact that, yes, you always had anxiety your whole life, but your anxiety level went to a next level post tick bite or when you got Lyme disease Mm -hmm. and you were having physical symptoms which were making your anxiety worse. So yes, you've had anxiety, but the Lyme disease increased your anxiety and then your physical symptoms and the fear of those symptoms increased your anxiety as well. So did any doctor at any point while you were in Georgia ever discuss the fact that maybe your anxiety was worse because you were having real physical symptoms?
2: No, um, I was in therapy. I, was, I forgot to mention that. I started therapy because they said it was anxiety. So when I got an anxiety medicine, I started going to therapy. And... um. She had no experience. Like she never, she was like, oh, you know, being feeling numbness in your body. Like I didn't tell her all my symptoms. Obviously, she's a therapist, not a doctor. But I, she was like, what does your anxiety do to your body? Because it's a normal thing. And I tell her, and she would, you know, give me these tips and whatever, and none of it worked. And my main doctor, no, he was like, you know, anxiety can cause this, and da da da, and like that's what it was. Um, but. It was horrible. Like the anxiety that I felt, I couldn't even say that it's anxiety. It was like feeling like your body's like giving up on you, and your brain's giving up on you too. And it's just like, well, what what am I gonna do? You know? And so finally, when I came back up to Pennsylvania, um, my mom took me to her doctor within a few days because she was like, we need to get a second opinion. I walk in, I tell her my symptoms, I tell her everything from point A to point like to the end, and. She comes in the room, the nurse goes out, the doctor comes in the room and she says, well, you have Lyme disease. I was like, what? And she was like, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's what you have. I'm gonna test you. It's probably gonna come back negative, but I'm telling you right now that that's what's making you sick. And I just sat there just like in shock basically that I had just been through how many months, June, July, August, December, like almost five months of symptoms, doctor's appointments, you know, medicine, anxiety pills, therapy. And then I take one appointment and she doesn't even have to do a blood test to tell me what's wrong with me. And as scary as it was to be told what I had, it was almost like the best moment because I was like, finally, someone believes me. Finally, you know, I have something that I can move forward with and try to get better.
1: Prior to your diagnosis up in Pennsylvania, when you were in Georgia, did any of the medication they gave you for anxiety help you or any of the therapy help you? Or were your symptoms continuing to worsen as your Lyme developed?
2: My symptoms got worse. Therapy was good for me. I think therapy um, is an amazing thing for anyone. But I had gone through a lot in my childhood with my parents, you know, divorce, it wasn't a pretty divorce. And, you know, thank the Lord that we're in a better place now. But i had been through a lot as a kid. and I never talked to anyone about it. And you know, I'm the oldest and expected. And, and that just plays a part is like, I always wanted to be this person that had it together. I always wanted to be that person. And I was used to being that person. So I never talked about that. So therapy did help me, but the anxiety didn't change. And the medicine that I was given for anxiety, um, one of the big symptoms is like when I would fall asleep, um, I would feel like my heart started to race and that was a really a weird symptom. So the, the medicine helped me fall asleep, but it didn't change any other symptom.
1: So it sounds like in a very short window, within a few months, you developed neurological Lyme disease and Lyme carditis, where the Lyme was actually in your heart as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when, when, you, when your doctor first basically told you up in Pennsylvania that, hey, you have Lyme disease, I haven't even tested you yet, but you fit the classic symptoms of Lyme disease, you, you mentioned that you felt excited to finally have a diagnosis. Were there, did you have any knowledge that Lyme could have long-lasting symptoms, or was this just too early on where you thought this was going to be a quick fix and then back to your normal life at that point
2: um well I think it was either her or one of her assistants that was in the room I can't remember who it was said that they also had had Lyme and she was like well still sometimes I get tired from it and like whatever and like whatever and so I was so to hear from someone who had had it because like I said I had no really prior knowledge but to see someone who was like actively working in their job and say oh yeah I had that I went through it and this is what I did it kind of gave me some hope but I didn't really know you know, that there could be a long lasting, I thought you would just take the medicine and be better.
1: <laughs> so now what were the next step? You mentioned that this doctor wanted to run a blood test. Did she start treating you before the results came in or did she wait for the results of the blood test?
2: Um, she started to treat me before that with antibiotics and then she did the blood test and it was negative, but she said that that could be normal because I had had it for so many months. Um, And so she treated me with one round of medicine and then our family friend who had also been sick, she, um, did like this deep list of every single, you know, um, supplement she wanted me to get just, we went to the store and we just bought literally everything she said because she had been sick for, oh my gosh, years, like half of her life before she found out what was wrong with her. And so I just listened to everything she said, took the medicine. And then I ended up doing three rounds of antibiotics before i felt pretty back to normal
1: so about three months of antibiotics mm-hmm. and in parallel you were taking all of these supplements recommended by a family friend do you recall any of these supplements and specifically what they were or any of them
2: i can look up a list of it but it was um so many it was like a basic vitamins and then a lot of just fancier vitamin it was all from the store so like it's all stuff you can get there but supplements that i had never heard of a lot of things to support um, my immune system, my joints, my brain, a lot of random things that I was like, why am I having to take this? I'm so young. I should not be having to deal with this. Um, There are probably about 10 pills that I took every day.
1: Did your doctor up in Pennsylvania discuss with you that you should be on a probiotic and that the antibiotics could impact the good bacteria in your gut and also weaken your immune system potentially?
2: Um, No. She said that the she did say that the antibiotics could be hard on my stomach, but she never really said anything about taking a probiotic. So that was not something that I did.
1: Looking back, do you think you had such success in that three month window because of your friend's recommendation to supplement while taking the antibiotics?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm not that person that's like, Oh my gosh, medicine is horrible and you should never take it. And I'm like obsessed with being healthy and like health stuff and all of the natural options you can do in your life. But I do think medicine is such a blessing and, um, I wouldn't change the fact that I did antibiotics. I know that there's like a lot of controversy about it, but I mean, I think that both of those things together is really what helped me.
1: So talk to us about that three-month window. So when you first started antibiotics, how quickly did you start to feel better? And I think you mentioned at the end of the three-month window, you were pretty much symptom-free, correct?
2: Yes, so I started to feel worse actually at first. And our family friend, she was such a, you know, she was like literally an angel because she explained so many things that my doctor wasn't able to explain. And she just had so been through this herself. So she just gave so many helpful tips and you know, you need to take an Epsom salt bath and this is, you're going to feel this way first. And this, and she really walked me through and it was amazing to have her. Um, and I joined some Facebook groups too, but Mm, I, I do have to say like, it's hard to be in those groups because there's so many people doing so many different things. And it's, it can be a lot, especially when you're the one that's sick looking at all these different posts and a lot of people that are failing their treatments failing or they're not feeling well. I think that that can be a hard thing, but I do think a lot of it gave me helpful information because it gave me a place to be like, I'm not the only person going through this. Um, So that's something that helped me.
1: So while you were on these Facebook groups, about Lyme disease, did you see either yourself or anybody else getting Lyme shamed for the way they were choosing to treat their Lyme disease?
2: Um, I started to see that a little bit. Like I don't remember clearly, but I think in the Facebook group, I was, I was reading a lot of people that were, their family was not supportive or whatever else. And I was just really confused. I was like, if you're sick, why is your family you know, not supportive? But I also think we live in a day and age where it's like, if you're sick, like you're expected to take the medicine and get better. And that's kind of, you know, the way that it is. So looking back now, I kind of had that understanding. But when I was going through it myself, honestly, I was more focused on my own journey than to really pay attention to all of that. Um, but yeah. So
1: now you mentioned that you started to feel worse at first. So how long did you feel worse before you started to feel better with the oral antibiotics?
2: I'd say like the first month and a half, probably. Um, definitely the first, maybe even the first two months before I really felt completely better. Um, and then even towards the end, like when I was finishing up antibiotics, there were still symptoms that I had, like I would get joint pain and things like that. And that kind of lost, that was the longest lasting symptom for me. But once my brain fog cleared up and I stopped having panic attacks every day, I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. That was what I was, I was like, if I am in pain in my legs for the rest of my life, cool. If I, if it means I don't have to have panic attacks or not be able to think straight, I will take it. Um, but probably three months before I felt completely, you know, better.
1: And in that one and a half month window where you started to feel worse, did anybody discuss with you the possibility that that was a Herxheimer reaction?
2: Um, our family friend. Yeah, that's the only reason I knew about it. And then she told me to join these groups and I started researching a little bit on my own. Um, so yeah, that's, how I knew what that was, but I would have had no idea. So for someone that does not have, you know, knowledge of that, they probably have no idea what they think it's, you know, not working. So they're going to stop the medicine or whatever. Um, I had no idea.
1: So it really sounds like this this family friend was a godsend who recommended all these supplements, which I I believe had a major impact on your body being able to recover with the antibiotics and also detoxing because of the Herx reaction and doing things like Epsom salt baths and supplementation. So, talk to us about these worsening symptoms. What specifically got worse? Was it the body pain? Was it the was it the brain fog, or was it pretty much everything?
2: Um, what got worse was definitely the body pain. And I would get headaches, like in the top of my head, I started getting these weird headaches in weird places. That was what, um, what got worse for me. And I was really tired. I was exhausted. I could not even stand up in the shower. Um, I would go from my bed to the couch and stay there all day and then go back to bed. I was exhausted.
1: And then once that period was over, was it like a switch was flipped, or was it a was it a slow, progressive improvement in your symptoms for the last month and a half of your antibiotic treatment?
2: It was definitely slow. It wasn't like overnight. Um, I don't think anything really is. It definitely was slower.
1: So did you do anything else aside from the oil antibiotics, the supplements, and then these detox protocols like the epsom salt fast while you were sick to sort of help your symptoms while you were treating the Lyme disease?
2: At that time, no. Mm-mm.
1: So now now we're going to kind of fast forward to the end of this 3 month period. You're pretty much symptom free at this point. And now you are what you're you're a freshman in college? Is that the time um, for, the time frame?
2: No, that was the first semester of high school. So then I took that I got sick. So then September was when I moved back to my mom's and I tried to do online classes and I couldn't even think straight. So it didn't work out. So um we were really nervous like is she going to be able to graduate, whatever. Um, I started feeling better in December, and that's when you're really like, okay, are we going to go back to school? What are you going to do? And so I decided to go back to school for the second semester, moved back home. Um, And that was just the best few months of my life. Like to feel like, oh my gosh, I feel better. Oh my gosh, I'm back with my friends. Oh my gosh, I'm back in school. And oh my God, it was such a blessing. Um, That was January. So then I graduated and graduated with honors on time, and that was. great thing my family was so happy um but when I was sick was when I was applying to college and that was kind of something that was hard because I got into um South Carolina which is where I was gonna go and then I got into school in Georgia and I ended up for more reasons than one but I ended up staying um in Georgia to go to school just because partially because I got like I got a scholarship but also partially I know that it was because I was scared if I went so far that I would get sick again Um, so yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely a challenge, but, um, I went to school and everything was great, um, until I started to feel sick again.
1: (laughs) So Elena, in the interim, between the time of finishing up your antibiotics and sort of being the the normal Elena that you were used to before the Lyme disease and up until the time you got sick again for college, where was your anxiety level at? Was it, was your anxiety at a base level also pre Lyme disease at that point?
2: Yeah, it was normal again. Um, <clears throat> I've always had like some anxiety, but it was nothing like before. I'm telling you, When I tell you it was like being born again, it, that's how it felt. Um, yeah.
1: So there, there, we've learned that there are many triggers for people to relapse and have uh, Lyme relapses once they've had Lyme disease as, as bad as you have had it. So do you believe that the stress of applying to college having your, your life change and now go into a new, a new space and also worrying about potentially leaving your family, that all that, that stress caused you to have a relapse of Lyme disease at that time?
2: Um, Definitely. So I went to college in August um, and I started to feel sick again in probably January, February. So there were a good few months where I was fine, but when you're in college, I mean, I don't know if everyone's like this, but there was a lot of eating out. There was a lot of fast food. There's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of, you know, different things plus stress. College is hard. Um, and then just like more family stuff was going on and it was just, I was under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. Um, plus I was not living a healthy lifestyle and I think all of that kind of played a part. So January was when I started, um, getting headaches again and I was like, no, like, that's not possible. And then the numbness started again. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I reached out to my family friend. I was like, is this possible? Like, is this like, am I sick again? And she was like, it is possible. You need to go to the doctor. And I was like, oh my God. It was so scary because I was scared that I would have to go through everything. I just went through again.
1: Now, now thinking back to your first journey, was it your primary care physician in Pennsylvania who prescribed you with the three months of doxycycline?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when you get sick again now in college and you, you're relapsing with Lyme because of the sh- all the stress that you're going through in your life, did you go back to that same primary care physician or did you find another doctor to help you?
2: No, I found another doctor um, from actually my family friend who's in Atlanta. And he was more of like a homeopathic, not completely, like he still, because he prescribed me more antibiotics because I told him that's to what worked for me the first time. but he was more like, he did like the muscle test and all of that kind of stuff. Um, he didn't do blood tests, which I found a little bit strange, but I, I was desperate to be better. So I didn't care. I was desperate to catch it before it got to that point. And I was thankful that I knew that I had an idea of what it could be, you know? So I went to him, um, got my appointment. He tested me. He's like, yeah, probably relapsing like this. And I had no idea like the difference between like Bartonella and like all these different things until I went to him. I had no idea. Even when I was like sick the first time, I had no idea what that meant. So he did like all these different tests on me with these different weird things. I don't even know what he was doing. And he told me, you know, this is what you have. And we're going to put you on antibiotics and you're going to take all the supplements again. And then we're going to give you these, um, this natural remedy. He just gave me a bunch of stuff. I didn't really know what it was. I just was like, whatever you say I have to take, I'm going to take. So that's what I did.
1: So, Elena, you mentioned he didn't go the traditional route of running a blood test to diagnose your Lyme disease the second time. He did muscle testing. So, yeah. describe for our listeners what muscle testing is and what it was like for you to go through that testing.
2: It was really weird. Like Basically, he put these things in my hand and then he would like tell me to hold my arms up and he would push one down as he changed out the things I was holding. And then he would say, okay, so then this shows that you need this and this shows that you have this in you and... It was very strange for me. I'd never seen or heard of anything like that. Um, so that's, that was really weird well, for me.
1: We have to say that we, you are actually the second podcast guest today. And the first one that we just finished interviewing had the same, same thing where muscle testing actually helped her get diagnosed and treated. And it seems so bizarre based on how it works, but yet so many people with Lyme disease have had major success with muscle testing to figure out what exactly is causing their symptoms, not Mm -hmm. just Lyme, but what other co-infections. And then also using that to determine the proper course of treatment in regards to these specialized herbal tinctures to take. So it it sounds like this was really an important part of your journey as well. And in addition to the antibiotics and supplements you were on the first time, based on your primary care physician and your family friend's recommendation, this new naturopathic doctor also prescribed you, it sounds like an herbal tincture, based on the muscle testing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now what was that like taking that treatment? So now were you still in college? Did you, co- did you stop? Did you come home? And what was it like taking this, this medication? Did you feel worse? Did you feel better? H- how did it work for you?
2: I was still in college. Um, and I was just taking basically what he gave me was these things I would put in my mouth and I would hold them there for a few seconds and then I would swallow them. And basically it was like building my immune system back up against whatever it was. So I was still in school um, doing all of this and taking all of this. And I honestly, like it didn't seem very different because I had already gone through this once. I was just thankful that it wasn't as bad as it was. So I was willing to do whatever he told me to do. And it just felt good to know that I was treating it Um, so it was way less intimidating the second time for me personally.
1: Did you hurt at all when you started treatment the second time?
2: I don't really remember. I don't think so because I was way better. I knew what detoxing meant. So I did that a lot. Um, and then this is around the same time I start changing my lifestyle. So I start cutting out, um, a lot of sugar, a lot of drinking, eating way better, like working out changed so much of my lifestyle too. So this was a more of a wake up call of like, okay. I have to do more than just take this medicine and let this happen again.
1: So it sounds like, you know, we, we see this often with, with a lot of our, you are actually our 116th podcast guest today. So oh, wow. we, we've seen a lot of people who have reached remission like you have, and then go back to their normal lifestyles and end up mm-hmm. relapsing just like you did. Our observations here at Tick Bootcamp is that once you have chronic Lyme, you have to live an intentional lifestyle, meaning you can't go back to the life you had before. You can't stay up late. You can't drink. You can't eat the wrong foods. Otherwise, you will likely have a relapse. You have to live more intentionally and get a good night's sleep. You have to eat a healthy diet. You have to exercise and do things to keep yourself in remission. Otherwise, you have a risk of going back and getting sick again. So would you agree with that analysis that we've come up with?
2: I think to an extent that is very true. I think, I don't think that getting sick with Lyme disease means your life is is like, you know, be over and you have to, You know, if people, if they go look me up after this, and be like, Oh my God, I have to do that. I have to work out every single day and do all this. No, I don't think that at all. But I think it's, it's a blessing in disguise. Like you realize, you know, the lifestyle you were probably living before this probably wasn't the healthiest. And there's so many different things you can start to do, even if they seem small that can really improve your overall health and help you from, you know, getting sick again. Like someone gets mono, you know, with teenagers all the time, you get mono in high school. And then a couple of years later, they get it again and they relapse and they're tired. If you think about it in terms of that, like living a healthy lifestyle helps you overall. Um, it's way less condemning than if you're like, well, since you had this, your whole life has to change or you are going to stay sick forever. I just think that when you frame it in a different way, it's, it just gives people more hope.
1: And can you give us more specific details about what you changed in your lifestyle to help you maintain a healthy life and not have a remission, I'm sorry, a relapse with Lyme disease? So you mentioned your diet. We'll focus on that first. So what specifically did you change in your diet?
2: Oh, I used to eat so unhealthy. <laughs> I ate a lot of sugar. I ate, you know, I was drinking, it was in college, so I'm not like saying I was an alcoholic, but I was drinking every single weekend a lot. Um, sugary drinks, things like that. I was going to the drive through all the time. I was up late studying. I would eat, you know, candy and different things. And um, I was eating a lot of wheat and I ended up learning I was intolerant to that. So that changed a lot for me. Um, and so cutting out that and a lot of sugars and things like that, that was the biggest thing I changed in my diet, trying to eat more fruit and vegetables. Um, overall, just a more balanced diet because I was, I didn't realize how unhealthy I was before this. Um, and so as I started moving into a healthier lifestyle and getting really passionate about health and wellness, it really was like, wow, I've been healthy like my whole life. I've, you know, never been overweight or anything like that, but I was not healthy in the slightest.
1: Now, did you do all of these things in parallel with the antibiotics, the supplements you were on from your family friend and these herbal tinctures and your lifestyle changes or did the lifestyle changes in the diet and the exercise come after the treatment from this new naturopathic doctor?
2: Um, I started trying to eat a little bit better. I didn't completely change it during when I was doing the treatment because I didn't really have this whole passion for it. But I also started wanting, you know, I'm in college, like I started to want to look better um, and feel better about my body. And so I started working out more and things like that. So when you're working out more, it transitioned into me eating better and all that. So as I finished the treatment, it wasn't like, okay, I'm done. And then I stopped. It kind of sparked that in me. Um, to make that, you know, that was my new thing that like, I loved to be healthy. I love to cook healthy meals. And so I started that probably after.
1: Do you think that a combination of your diet changes, your exercise and all the supplements and treatments you got from your naturopathic doctor bolstered your immune system? And now your lifestyle changes long-term have strengthened your immune system enough to keep the Lyme disease bacteria at bay. So you can live a symptom-free life and, and not have to worry about getting sick again.
2: Well, that's the hope, right? Um, I think, well, I got a concussion back in January, last January, not the one that just happened the one before that. And I got a concussion or December, I got a concussion and I started having like all these crazy symptoms with that concussion that really resembled Lyme. And I was like, it's, I have it again. And I actually, my dog got diagnosed with Lyme disease, um, two years ago. Uh, he wasn't sick. He just went to the vet and they do all those random tests. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, your dog has Lyme disease. And they bring me the paper and they're like, well, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but they hand me this and I'm my world completely stopped. I swear. It was like, I thought I was going to pass out. Never passed out. Thought I was going to, Oh my God, it was absolutely horrible. And they put him on doxy and like, he was, he never had a symptom. He was totally fine. Um, but whenever, so then that was in September. So a few months later I get a concussion and I start having these weird symptoms that go with a concussion. And they reminded me a ton of, of my Lyme symptoms. And I was like, Oh my God, I have Lyme again. Like I just know I have Lyme again. And I was so scared. I went to the doctor and I had a concussion, obviously, but they were like, oh, you've recently had mono also. And I was in college and like that had gone around a ton. So I guess I had, it wasn't like a recent infection. They just said that I had had it. And, um, but the fear of it being Lyme again, I don't know if that ever goes away. Like, I really don't know if that's ever going to leave me. Um, I found a tick on my dog, Brody again. And this is a few weeks ago, and I took it off, called his vet, and I was like, I want to get antibiotics for him. And they told me no. <laughs> so I called them literally like 20 times. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to stop calling until you give me the antibiotics. Like, I don't care if he's, they're like, well, if he's sick, you bring him in. I was like, no, you don't understand. we have already gone through this. So you're going to either give me the antibiotics or I'm going to call someone that's going to give them to me. So they gave them to me. Um, I don't think that that fear ever goes away. And I know that like every tick... Just, I mean, I have friends. I've had so many friends, seriously, in the past year that have gotten ticks on them. And you would think after knowing my story and what I went through, they would be like more scared. They always come to me and they say, oh my gosh, guess what happened? They tell me. And I'm like, go to the doctor and get medicine. Even if you're not sick, just get on some antibiotics for a little bit, just to prevent whatever. No one listens to me. But so you,
1: go ahead. So, so, Lenny, you brought up a really good point that that fear is real for many people with Lyme disease, that, that fear of, of getting reinfected or that fear of having a relapse so what, what would you recommend for our listeners as, as things you've learned to help deal with that fear and anxiety and worry about either getting reinfected or having a relapse with Lyme disease?
2: Don't ask me about fear of being reinfected because I still refuse to hike. I still refuse to, I mean, I'll hike, but like on the trail, like when me and my family go hiking and I'm there, they know that we are staying on like the pavement. I don't go fishing. I don't do a lot, anything, tall grass, still no. There's things like that that I don't think are ever going to change and I've accepted it. I have stopped telling myself, you know, get over it. Just, you know, whatever. I, I know like Lyme disease is a real thing. So if I can prevent myself from getting it or my, you know, my dog or my friends or whatever, I'm going to do what I can. And for me, that's something that I don't do still, but I think I've accepted also that that fear is always going to be there and I've learned to respect it and stop being hard on myself. If I had a friend that had gone through what I had gone through and they were scared to go and talk like in the woods or do whatever, like a, a normal person that had not been sick would do, you wouldn't look at your friend and be like, get over it, you know, like to steal with it. You look at your friend and be like, you know what? You went through something really hard and I totally understand and whatever. And I've learned to kind of give myself that same, you know, respect. And I've also kind of understood now if I was to get sick again because the fear is always there and I think it always will be and I've accepted that and I've also told myself you know if you were to get sick again or have symptoms again like I did when I hit my head and all that happened it's like you know what you're looking at you know Lyme disease is not this con- confusing concept to you anymore you know what it is if you got a symptom again and you thought that's what it was you can go to the doctor and so like I try to talk myself like a little bit to like lessen my anxiety with that. Um, but I think the fear will always be there. And until you go through something like this, you're not gonna understand. I know my family doesn't get it. I know my mom gets so annoyed when we go hiking and she's like, let's just go. Like, I'm like, no, I can't. I I, like literally cannot. Um, and I know she gets annoyed and I'm sure there's people that are like, oh, is she ever going to just get over it? No, I'm not. Because what I went through completely changed my life. And yeah.
1: Elena, you sit on a really key, heart that I think is so important for everybody who suffer from Lyme disease and that 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 really that tip is to not be so hard on yourself and mm-hmm. oftentimes we are so hard on ourselves and we've made such great progress yet when you're when you're stressing yourself out and you're being hard on yourself because of the things you won't do and because you can't get rid of that fear that's sort of baked into you you then actually are making your your, your body weaker and making yourself more susceptible to a relapse so I think that you have been successfully able to implement that in your life and you should be proud of that. I think it's a really important tip for everybody listening is we need to be more patient and compassionate and caring with ourselves and not be so hard on ourselves. But yeah. I do want to go back to your your concussion. So you mentioned that you had a concussion and you had symptoms that were similar to your Lyme symptoms. Mm-hmm. So were those symptoms Lyme disease or were they just symptoms of the concussion that went away after time?
2: Uh, they ended up going away. So I... Um, hit my head. And then I started having like these crazy symptoms, like headaches and all of that again, obviously. And so I got like MRIs done and all these different tests done and whatever. And then I ended up going to um, a doctor who is not the same doctor for my Lyme. I actually did go to that same Lyme doctor originally. Let me me forget that part. So I went to that doctor again and he was like, we're going to muscle test you again. And he's like, okay, so yes, you have this and you have this and you have this and here's all these medicines and you need to do this. And like, I was freaked out because I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, I have Lyme disease again. So then I like found this. I was like obsessed with it. I was like, "Oh my god, this might be happening again." So then I found this um, lab overseas. I'm sure a lot of people know about them, but they you like send your blood to them overseas and they test it in a different way than they do in America or whatever. So I did that, and they sent back like, "Yes, you your body has been fighting these bacteria,s you know, for however long." So I'm like, oh my gosh, does this mean that I have it again? And so I just couldn't let it go. And I was like, you can't communicate with those people. They basically, you send your blood and then they send you the results and that's it. They're not, you know, working with you. They're just testing your blood. So I was like, I have to find a doctor that's going to listen to me. That's going to blood test me, you know, but you know, conventional doctors, most of them, they test you with that one test and then that's it. I was like, I need to find someone that can help me. And I researched everything I could i finally found um, a doctor in atlanta who did specialize in you know different diseases not specialized in Lyme, but he treated it and he they tested for it and i just needed it on paper like i just needed it like i needed a blood test i couldn't just rely on this like muscle testing it was just it didn't sit right with me i was like i just need something more i went to this doctor it was the best decision i ever made Um, they were the kindest people. They were so smart. They had such a good track record of treating people. And it was the first time I felt confident in a doctor. Like the first doctor that diagnosed me, I was like, thank God, um, years ago. But this doctor was the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I can trust this person and they know what they're doing. And they listen to me and it was amazing. So anyway, they test me and they, my Lyme test came back that like the past, like I'd had it definitely had it in the past, but a lot of the things that I was told I had with muscle testing, I didn't show any signs of on this blood test. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but certain things did come up. So I'm like, it would have probably shown that because a lot of this stuff, whatever. That's when I found out about the mono because I had not test, been tested for mono before. And that was the most recent infection that my blood was like, that was in my blood. So some point in college in the past few months, I had gotten it. Um, but the main symptoms are from the concussion. And then also with being, you know, really healthy and really fit and my diet or whatever, I was also lacking in high in certain vitamins and low in others. So my body was kind of out of whack just from a mix of things. Um, and so the lot, the lime, the fear of that being what it was was so scary to me. So finding a doctor that finally listened to me and like actually was not just trying to, you know, do the blood test. So I would shut up and be done with me. Like they actually cared about the whole history. They asked every single symptom I had had over the past however many years. Oh my gosh, finding a good doctor is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Yeah, Elaine,
1: I think you hit on another really important part that it's not very cut and dry when it comes to diagnosing Lyme disease, even to see if you have a current infection versus a past infection. So mm-hmm. you had gone for muscle testing and it indicated you had all this stuff active that had to be treated again. Mm-hmm. Then you shipped your blood overseas and it came back, yes, you have active infections that need to be addressed, but in your core, you felt that there was something else going on, and you you needed to go and get confirmation. Yeah. So you went to this 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 addition this, this new doctor who ran additional blood work, and it came back that you just had past infections with all of these tick diseases and and um, mono. So mm-hmm. now, based on that, do you think what what is your personal thought? And of course, there's really no clear answer right now. But what is your personal thought on muscle testing? Do you think it was accurate the first time? or I should say the second time you rel- when you relapsed and not so much the last time you got the muscle testing, or you think it's just not a perfect science yet? And, and how would you recommend it to others if you would?
2: Hard question. I am very science-based in many ways, but I'm also you know, open to other things. So I kind of fall in between. I think I'm very thankful for it because the first time it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I had never even heard of, like the difference between the bacteria. I didn't know that existed before I first got that. Um, but the second time, you know, that I did it when I had my concussion, it was just like, I just didn't feel like what he was, I, I don't know. It was just like, I just needed something more. Um, and so I'm glad I put, that's another thing. Like you have to advocate for yourself when you have something like this, which is what's so hard because when you're sick, you know, you're sick and you don't want to have to do that, but you have to. And like, it just didn't sit right with me that, you know, he's telling me all, I was like, I just want to be tested. I just want someone to test my blood and tell me what's in there. And obviously the main Lyme disease test doesn't work. And I was like, I knew I needed more. So I paid for my blood to be sent overseas and for them to check, you know, whatever. So that didn't show that I had like active infections. It showed that I had definitely these cells in me that I had fought this at some point. Um, But I knew I still didn't feel good. So I went to the next doctor. I was like, I need someone to test me that I can actually talk about this with. And so I brought in my paperwork. I brought in everything. Um, And that's when I found out about, you know, yes, you had Lyme in the past. These are past infections. This is what you have most recently, blah, blah, blah. So with muscle testing, I think, you know, some people it works and some people it's great. And I'm thankful for it. It helped me the first time. I'm not saying I would knock it to anyone, but for me, it was just helpful to like finally find a doctor that would, was open to like a more deeper dive blood test than just that generic one, because I don't think that one works at all.
1: And this is just another, another really important lesson. I mean, you keep giving us lesson after lesson after lesson here to to trust your gut, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you had, you had your, somebody who had helped you the first time with muscle testing, tell you that you needed to go a certain route, but Mm -hmm. your gut was telling you differently you, mm-hmm. Your gut was right. You now go you you go into this other doctor for, the, for your blood work, and you decide you're just gonna. It sounds like just balance out your vitamins from working out. You had to, you had too much of so, some mm-hmm. levels and and too low of other levels. You balance out your vitamins. You don't treat the Lyme and co infections the way you were recommended to with the doctor who muscle tested you, and yet you still get better. Correct?
2: Yeah, um, I think you know it was when you told me that I was going to. I did not want to do any of the, when I was scared that it was Lyme and I went to do those tests at first and he told me, yes, this is what you have. Um, I was like, look, I'm not, I'll do the herbal stuff. That's fine. If that's what you want me to do. But look, I want, some, I want some medicine. Like I want that. I had done a bunch of research of like different medicines. Like if this is what it is, I want to do this, this and this. And he's like, well, we're going to do like a natural. Th-. I was like, no, 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 we're not. Like I want, you know, I was just so scared that this has, was happening again. And um, it just didn't feel right to me. And I was like, I just need, if I could see it on a blood test and it would tell me this is what it is. I would be like, okay, yes, I can do that. I'll treat this. Um, and so when I went to the next doctor and I got those blood tests back and they were like, okay, no, like you did have Lyme, but that's not what you have now. You have, you know, a concussion and you also recently have had this infection and, um, and plus your, your body's out of whack and you need to do this and this and this. Like, I don't know what it was about the blood test that just kind of put my mind at ease. So like, yes, it gave me answers of, yes, you did have a recent virus. And this is what the virus was. And whether or not that was from a relapse or like from, you know, I don't know. I'll never know probably. But it just put my mind at ease a lot and like gave me a better plan. And so just trusting yourself and like, if you feel like you need more answers and get them. And like, if you feel, I think getting multiple opinions is really important also which can be hard because it's expensive um, to do that when you have something like this. Cause a lot of doctors aren't open to treating it or know anything really what to do. But yeah, I think I just went off on a tangent.
1: Nope. That's a, actually a really, really good point right there is your doctor who did all this muscle testing most likely was not covered by insurance and, and mm-hmm. likely many of your other treatments no. and doctors are not covered. So yeah, thinking back, could you, could you estimate how much money you had to spend out of pocket for all of your doctors, your treatments, even including your supplements that you had to buy just to God. supplement your antibiotics.
2: Thousands of dollars. I couldn't tell you over the the whole thing. Yes. Thousands of dollars, probably more expensive. Do I get to count in that I changed my whole lifestyle because of this? And I eat super healthy and I'm not eating off the. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um Yeah. Thousands of dollars. Oh my God. And so my parents at first paid for everything, obviously when I was in high school and then when I got sick, the second time still my parents but then this past time when i was sick i mean i have my own business now so i was paying for it and so then i was like damn this really is a lot
1: Now, your, your concussion experience, that was after mm-hmm. you had graduated from college. Obviously,
2: you were. it sounds like No, you were actually, get- that, was my, that was December before graduation. And so I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Right before I graduate again, I'm going to get sick. And I was like, this is like ridiculous. And so um, I moved home. I was so sick. Oh my God, my concussion was awful. It was so bad. Plus factoring and everything else and these viruses I didn't know I had and everything. I was so sick from like December, January, February, March. I moved home. To my dad's two hours away from school and i commuted every day to school every single day because i was like so my anxiety was so bad but that was the only symptom that really resembled lyme was the anxiety um which was way honestly may may have been worse than when i had lyme because it was the concussion really really messed with my head um plus like i had gone from i have my own business and i absolutely love it and so i'd gone from working overworking constantly for two years to like i think i just my brain was just like girl, you need to chill out. And so the anxiety was so bad at the concussion. And that's what really made me think it was Lyme because of the anxiety. Um, That was pretty much the only symptom that resembled it. But I think that's another reason I kind of knew when I was told that I was like, I need more answers because I remember I felt a lot more physically sick than this. Mentally, I think my concussion was worse than when I had Lyme. But um, yeah.
1: Were you able to now move on and, and graduate college or did the concussion yeah, so after from?
2: commuting for four months, I finally, um, you know, started to feel a little bit better. I got put on anxiety and depression medicine because they say sometimes when you get a concussion, it can trigger that, especially if you've already had that in your past. And that, that helped a ton. Um, after I got that second, those second round of blood tests and found out about those viruses and my vitamins, I started changing my diet, you know, to balance everything out. And, I felt so much better, um, so I moved back to school for like the last month, and I finished strong, and I graduated, which is amazing, so yeah.
1: Congratulations. So Now, have you, have you been feeling good ever since you graduated and post your concussion experience?
2: Yeah, so um, I felt a lot better. I was on anxiety medicine for a few months, and then I came off of it, um, and so pretty much now anxiety is just like my main battle. Physically, I take care of myself, work out, eat healthy, whatever. But anxiety is something I really battle and I have PTSD. I did therapy again. They told me that I have PTSD from having Lyme and that's surprising, but also not because it was really hard for me. So yeah, that's something I battle more like just mental health and things like that. But I guess it's something that I'll continue to battle until I don't. So.
1: Many, many, many people with Lyme do suffer from PTSD. It's actually more common than you think. I think it's just a a topic that many don't want to openly share, Mm
2: -hmm. but it
1: is more common than you would think. And one observation I've had this whole time since we started talking about the discussion of the the concussion is that we've had a lot of guests talk about getting multiple concussions, one or many, after their Lyme experience. So Mm -hmm. one of the symptoms of Lyme is disorientation, dizziness, you know, depth perception. Balance yeah. problems. Do you think those symptoms could have potentially caused you to get your head injury? And maybe, maybe it's a reach, but it just seems there's a, a lot of people out there with Lyme that we've interviewed that have had a concussion post Lyme disease.
2: No, I was cleaning and um, something fell on my head when I went under my bed to clean, and something fell on my head. So no, it's just me being an idiot actually. Um, oh. But no, that is so that is so true that you know Lyme can cause these things for for people that you know stick around in these symptoms and. So I've never really considered that but unfortunately no. for me I'm just dumb so <laughs> no
0: so uh Elena share with us uh what role your Lyme journey played in your entrepreneurial experience
2: yeah so um Lyme opened the door you know these people say you go through something hard and like would you change it would you take it away and if I did that I literally would not be the person I am in the place I am it taught me that I love health and wellness it taught me that you know I love, I've actually gotten to work with so many amazing um, women with Lyme disease too that find me through Instagram that like I give them hope and things like that. And I'm like, wow, that really means so much to me. Um, so it really just taught me what I love and helped me make a business out of it. So it definitely, yeah.
0: Well, share with our listeners what that business is and how your Lyme journey brought you to that business.
2: Yeah, so I am a health and wellness coach online. Basically I do workouts and nutrition and help girls get healthy um, at a distance. Everything's virtual. So I absolutely love that. And the way that Lyme really played a role in that is I had to start eating healthier and, bef- and exercising a little bit more and taking care of my body. And I fell in love with that. Um, so that's what opened the door for me to get involved with health and wellness. And so then slowly after that, I was like, I want to help more people do this. So that's how I did that.
0: So how is the business going? And uh, how would someone get in touch with you if they wanted to work with you in this arena?
2: Yeah, it's going amazing. I absolutely love it. I've now expanded. So I also mentor girls that want to become coaches as well. Um, So that's another thing that I love to do. And Instagram, definitely the way to go. It's just Selena Hamadi on Instagram. And I would love to talk with anybody. So yeah.
0: So what other kinds of things are you doing with your business? I understand you also have a podcast.
2: I do. I have a new podcast. It's brand new. Uh, It's called I Got You, Girl. It's just for 20-something-year-old girls. It has nothing to do with my business. It's just something that I love to do on the side. I've always been you know, the responsible one, the friend that everyone goes to for advice. I was like, let me just expand on this a little bit um, and share more advice and tips for girls that are in kind of the same place of life as me.
0: So folks wanted to listen to your podcast, where could they they find your um, podcast published?
2: Apple podcasts. And then it's also linked on my social media.
0: So now I'm going to ask you one last thing uh, in the spirit of helping people in the community. If God forbid your mom came into your room right now and showed you a tick biting her on her leg, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend that she do so she wouldn't have to go through the terrible parts of the journey that you had to go through?
2: Yeah, I would say go Take the tick off, keep it um, so you can get it tested. But I would also say, just go to the doctor and get on antibiotics. Even if you don't think, you know, even if you just found it on you and it's not attached to you, just go do it. Why not? I'd rather have a stomach ache for two weeks than have to deal with all this.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Elena Hamade. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Elena Hamade and her tick disease journey, please visit our Instagram page at Elena.Hamade, H-A-M-A-D-E. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, Tick Camp has created a tick by blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note, we would appreciate any input or improvements you would like to offer. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or on our website. Thank you for listening.